Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get the honor and privilege of serving as the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church. With me as always, I've got Pastor Eric on on one side, Pastor Paul who's back from from warm weather and golfing from last (laughs) week, so he's with us too today. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, (laughs) happy for you, Paul. (laughs) Good to have you back. Yeah, we were just down in St. George just over the weekend as well, visiting that location as yeah, well. Yeah, so. it's a great time at that campus. I love going down there. Um, the Red Rocks are great. Seeing the team's great. So mm-hmm. uh, see people from up here every time I'm down there, which is really you know yeah. interesting and cool to see people really experiencing one church in many locations. I love that. You know, I actually had met a, a family that said, hey, yeah, we were moving for work and literally like we moved to St. George specifically because we knew that there was another SMCC campus yeah. in that city. So that was cool to hear. That's great. Yeah. So uh, today we're going through 1 Corinthians 9, and for those of you who are just jumping into this, um, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, going chapter by chapter, and as well, if you're looking to follow along with us, what we're usually reading out of is the NIV, the New International Version, Um, so if you want to follow along kind of word for word with us, you can do that as well, um, and and follow along in that version. So I'm going to go ahead and and jump right into this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through two? Do you want me to go even farther than that? Or is no, go ahead and stop there, because I want to I draw people's attention to the transition and how he yeah. moved from eight to nine. Um, so let's just stop there, and then we'll, we'll kind of walk through the transition. Got it. So verse one and two, uh, Paul saying, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Yeah, so a couple things are happening here to set up chapter 9. Remember, he's uh, being criticized in the way he goes about his leadership. Uh, He's leading in a different way than some of the other um, leaders of the day in the way that they went about making themselves look big, you know, money, um, power, all prestige, all of that. And so he's just got done in chapter 8 saying... Purpose over preference, set aside your rights, although you're free, consider your brother in Christ and love them. And so he's going to now leverage that transition of laying aside your rights to then how he approaches his leadership with his rights as a leader. So that's the that's the connection. Set aside rights in chapter 8. Chapter 9, um, <gasps> setting aside your rights as a leader, and then he's going to kind of lean into that a little bit. So what happened with food in chapter 8 happens with him personally in chapter 9. And that, when I was looking at it, I'm like, where did this apostle stuff come from? Where did his rights come from? How did that show up? Oh, because in chapter 8, it was set aside your rights for love, and now Paul's going to talk about how he's done that personally. So that's the nice. transition. Yeah, in the background here is a system that we're not that familiar with, and that's called the guild system. And in ancient Greek and Roman culture, usually if you had wealth, you sponsored some sort of guild, Hmm. and that's like a club. Or it could be a group of masons or a group of um, people that work on make furniture or anything like that. A union. (laughs) A union, yeah. Yeah. And so, consequently, 
it was it was seen as the responsibility of a wealthy person maybe to sponsor even a church. Like that guy was going to fund the ministry because that was normal in those days. No matter what cause it was, there was a there was a benefactor to that mm. cause. And so the Apostle Paul is free from a benefactor mm. as well. Mm. And so he's uh, he's not operating evidently like some of not the uh, not the twelve apostles type of apostles, but mm. other people uh, connected themselves to a benefactor, and that guy funded their ministry. Mm. And so he's free from that sort of arrangement. Mm-hmm. Mm. That and I want us to read this chapter with that in mind. Wow, that's a great background, Paul. I appreciate mm. that. Yeah. All right. So verses three through six. Now, this is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Interesting. Bunch of rhetorical questions there. That last one's like almost a double negative. It's kind of confusing. He's saying, look, we have rights too. We have, we have rights, but we can set them aside as well. The setting aside of rights is not an indicator of his lack of maturity and leadership and expertise. Mm. It's a demonstration of his love and service to the Lord. And I think mm. they're missing that. And he's trying to say, let me tell you something about why I've set aside my rights. Don't look at it as a lack of leadership and authority, expertise. Uh, I want you to know where this is coming from. And so that's what's happening here. Yeah, I'm every bit as qualified as all the other apostles. I'm just choosing not to take money mm-hmm. from this group of people. Yep. So that's, that's the background, yeah. Yeah, there's so many things to figure out in the, in the early church, and obviously there's confusion around that. Mm-hmm. There needs to be clarity given to it, so I just love, love reading this, so... Let's go on to verses 7 through 12 now. And here come real illustrations mm. of the rights from the work, right? Okay. This, these are the rights that certain occupations have. Okay, yeah. got it. So Paul says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses... Do not muzzle an ox while, it's, while it is treading out the grain. It, is it about oxen that God is concerned? So muzzle the ox. Let the ox eat of the grain as he works on the grain, right? Let right. him enjoy some of that. He needs okay. it. This phrase was also report, repeated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Same concept, same uh, reference to the Old Testament scripture that says, don't muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Okay. Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. And yeah. I'm not... Like I haven't just memorized that. My notes say it at the bottom of the Bible. There so you just <laughs> leverage your leverage the footnotes. Yeah, it's your tools. Absolutely. Yeah. And so this is a theme for Paul. It it has obviously come up several times, but it's just in support of this concept that uh, the pastor is worthy of his wages. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Interesting. So continuing in verse ten. Uh, He says, surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Referring to the comment about the ox. Mm -hmm. Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Yeah. 
The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, he's saying, look, if you've experienced life change through the leadership here, support your leader so that more life change can happen. Mm. If there's fruit in your life from the work of the pastor in your life or the local church, support the local church so that there's more fruit in your life and other people's lives. It's just a, a real relational mm. connection. Yeah, and, and this is really important that uh, we establish that Paul's argument is basically, hey, church in Corinth, you have the responsibility to support the ministry financially, okay? That's mm-hmm. what he's saying. Now, with that in mind, we're going to get in a harder passage to, uh, you know, this is pretty straight so forwards, mm-hmm. straightforward so far. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get into a little bit more controversial passage. So, Jim. yeah, he has the right. Now, remember, the background of this whole section, though, is a laying a side of your rights, okay? Mm-hmm. So remember that. It's the right thing to do, right. but there's also a reason to lay aside rights from time to time. Yep. And um, what we're, the background here is that there were some people who wanted to get rich off the church, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and there were some people who were saying, if you set aside any rights um, to receive, then you must not be a qualified leader. So it's this kind of both, he's kind of coming at it from, from both perspectives. Some people said any payment must show greed or something like that, mm. and that's not the case either. Yeah. And both of those extremes still exist today. There are people who want to get Absolutely. rich off the church, and there are also people who say anyone who gets paid from ministry must be greedy. Yeah. And Paul's kind of cutting right through both of those extremes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just put a little note here. I'll, I'll give a little secret to our listeners. So when I'm actually reading, usually in the Bible, I'm reading from our NIV, and just as well, um, I've got actually the message translation up side by side, just as a little bit of commentary. Mm-hmm. And um, in the last section of it, one of the phrases in here that Eugene Peterson chooses, you know, to to use to to help explain this, is it says uh, at the end here, "Others demand plenty from you in these ways. Don't we, who have never demanded, deserve even more?" Mm-hmm. I like the first phrase that he has there. Others demand plenty from you in these ways. I mean, to me, that almost says. I mean, there's lots of things, and, and I could be wrong on this, but when I go to, um, when I get something good from, like my dentist, I have a great dentist that I love. You tip your dentist? I don't tip my dentist, <laughs> no. But I mean, he's he's worthy of a wage for the work that he does. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, he does a good work. Mm-hmm. That might be such a weird analogy. But to draw something, you know, there are other people who expect things from you as well in these things in the way that they're serving you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's kind of drawing a little bit of analogy there. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. All right, so let's continue in... Uh, Let's see here, 13. I guess I kind of ended in the middle Halfway 12. Halfway through 12, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so this is 12b, and uh, 13 and 14 I'll read also. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Paul, this is your moment to shine. (laughs) This is a passage, as many know that uh, attend SMCC, this is a passage I've taken a deep dive in, wrote an e-book basically uh, using this passage as my central thought, and and went from here to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Mm -hmm. and and compared and contrasted the two. And so here we have the Apostle Paul saying that the Lord commanded that, and here's the controversy, one, number one, did the Lord command that he and other apostles receive um, payment for their work, or was the command that the church support the mm-hmm. worker? 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, from the context above, we just said, hey, everybody in the church has a responsibility to support the ministry. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's changing here. He isn't all of a sudden switching this. If he was com- if he was trying to say that the Lord commanded that every pastor needs to receive a wage for their work, and then three times in this in this chapter he says that I chose not to use this right, then he's violating the command that he's writing about. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So let me be clear. It's commanded by the Lord, and we have never read that. It's not in the gospel. Jesus never said, I command you, church, to support your pastors. He, I don't know where that is, if, if it's uh, in one of the lost books of the Bible or something like that, maybe. <laughs> but it's not there. But obviously, the Lord did communicate that uh, to his disciples or specifically to the Apostle Paul, it's commanded that the church support their pastor. Let's let's just be clear. Now, Old Testament analogies. It starts earlier where uh, he uses the passage from Deuteronomy, Mm -hmm. do not muzzle the ox. And so he used this word. He said, doesn't the law say the same thing? So now he's going to parallel that with, he goes back to... um, don't you know that those who serve in the temple, that's got to be the Jewish temple mm-hmm. because of the context. Uh, and we know that the Jewish temple has an altar and that the people obviously brought food and that food was then sacrificed on that altar and it was shared with the priests. And so the, in the priesthood, they got um, either a payment, 10%, um, if they sold their crops or sold their animals, they could give money, but usually it was one out of 10 animals, or it was 10% of the grain or the, or the fruit or whatever they harvested. Mm-hmm. So 10%, a tithe was well-established. That first 10% belonged to the Lord. And what that meant is it was given then to the priests. And they were not allowed to own property. The priests did not own property. This was their only way to receive income, Mm. is their service in the temple. And they were supported by the people. Uh, The 12 tribes of Jacob. One tribe, the tribe of Levi, didn't get a portion of the land. Only 11 tribes got a portion of the land. So it's important that they be supported by the people. Mm. And they were to spread out to all the other 11 tribes. Mm. And so I think it's it's pretty important that we come back to this idea that this is normal, this is expected, and this is also commanded. Mm-hmm. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul clearly said, I am not commanding you. This is a this is a gift. This is completely non-compelled giving for the relief of the the people suffering in Judea, which, by the way, it was a, it was a famine that was predicted. Mm-hmm. There was a prophecy connected to that. It actually happened, and the Apostle Paul sent people to collect money, and he collected money himself for the relief of the people in Judea who were suffering. And I think one of the reasons why they were suffering so much is because they gave early church, they just gave their land, they sold everything, they were just you know, so excited about, oh, you know, their new family that they, um, 
this faith family that they could all share together in life and everything, and they got rid of their capital, which is a problem. And so this type of giving that we see in 1 Corinthians 9 is support of the ministry, the, the kind of giving we see in First uh, Corinthians eight and nine is voluntary, free will giving, and it's attached to uh, the idea that you have a heart for this, that it's a joy to you. God loves a cheerful giver. That's Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. This kind of giving is commanded, so it is associated with faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that. My big question, and I recorded a short for it's on YouTube. Go look it up. It's only twenty minutes. It's not very short. <laughs> Read the comments if you want to see a nice but, little spicy fight. <laughs> and so the idea was: all right, let's try to answer this question. How would a person know that they've moved from faithfulness to generosity? Ooh, good question. I think the only way you know is if you tithe. That is a faithful... You're fulfilling the command here. Mm -hmm. You're doing what he says. And then uh, I make other arguments for the tithe. I I think that it was just uh, the expected honorable gift of the day. Mm -hmm. And this started all the way with Melchizedek, Abraham giving him a tithe, Jacob promising a tithe uh, to the Lord. And so pre-Moses, pre-law, pre-tithing and the temple and the tabernacle, pre-all that, there was already a 10% gift being given because in the ancient Near East and, and Middle East, this was an honorable gift. And it, and it continued all the way past the days of Jesus into the days of the early church fathers. They continued to talk about an honorable gift. Mm-hmm. That was 10%. And so for some reason, it might be because we have 10 fingers or something, but it wasn't just a <laughs> it wasn't a Jewish thing. It wasn't a Christian thing. It was everybody. Thing. Yeah. Religion didn't create the tithe, honor did, the yes, 10%. exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. And I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, there's just some wisdom there because 10% is enough t- that you feel it. But not so much that it you're thrown break into poverty. Yep. Exactly. It's it's one of those type of it things. It almost prevents, 10%, I've said this before, prevents the uh, prosperity gospel from saying, give more and you'll get rich. Right. And it prevents the poverty gospel from saying, if you if you don't give way more than 10%, you're not even generous. It's this like great mm-hmm. wisdom benchmark. Right. It is. Right. And that's it is. so helpful. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. helpful. So, Paul, that's a, great, that's a great explanation. I so appreciate that. Faithful giving... 10% above and beyond that, generous. I think most evangelical churches today preach 2 Corinthians as if it were the right. faithful giving thing. They give whatever you decide in your heart. They go That's there. That's generous. They're going there. It's not commanded. This is called grace giving, and they ignore 1 Corinthians 9. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't tell you. I mean, I've tried to look at every comment. Well, I've looked at every commentary I own, mm-hmm. and, I've tried to, and I've tried to go beyond that. And to tell you the truth, most commentaries ignore this passage, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's too much of a hot potato. I don't want to put tithing as a burden on people. Mm -hmm. And and the fact is, is oftentimes it's 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 mistaught because people go to the Old Testament and they 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 go to the Old Covenant Mm -hmm. for an opportunity to compel people to tithe. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
even under the new covenant, which is wrong. Yeah. They right. go right to Malachi. You're robbing Test God. Test yeah. me in this. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do all that. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. That's not proper exegesis. And then they go to 2 Corinthians 8 9. They just ignore this passage. That's why I believe this passage is so instructive, so important for us today. Yeah, this is the third way that, that's mm-hmm. often forgotten. It's either all the prosperity stuff, test me in this, or it's the it's just the grace stuff. And I think... Just what do whatever you feel like doing. What you've described is uh, so, so wise and biblical, I think. Yeah, and so just a pause here. Um, two things that you guys can do. One, if you want to uh, dive deeper into this, and maybe this has raised questions for you, or you say, hey, I agree with this, don't agree with this, whatever. Um, one, you can read Paul's ebook by going to smccutah.org slash give. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see a button that says, you know, read this ebook by Pastor Paul. Two, if you want to go to our YouTube channel, just search SMCC in YouTube. It'll be the first channel that comes up. There's a playlist uh, that is SMCC Shorts, and Paul's is in there as well. So those are two resources that you can go beyond just this yeah. conversation. I think there's two things I want to say, too. In the world of podcasting, it is very common to support your podcast, right? Like, yeah. we get mm-hmm. that today. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Patreon, where you... Yeah. Support There's Patreon, yeah. Yeah, that's that's very much the ancient concept. If I benefit from it and enjoy it, I support it. Mm-hmm. That's I don't take for free. That's um, that's a concept that's coming back into our world. I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too is that. There's a whole lot of accountability built into this passage, but there's also accountability built into how we approach the salaries of our pastors. And I think that's really important for people to know mm-hmm. that um, our salary ranges have been vetted and looked at by a third party. Mm-hmm. Um, we have job descriptions that validate every role. We expect expertise and experience and hours. Like we have a lot of accountability built into the pastoral position. And I think that that's really important for people to understand. Um, yeah. I think that. Those types of um, boundaries uh, create accountability, and that honors the church that supports, and it honors the leader so they know what's expected. And so uh, when we preached through this, pa- this passage in this book in our last series, Disorganized Religion, we talked about how organized leadership roles honor God and honor others, and I think that's what we see here. Yeah. Let's keep going, uh, verses 15 through 18 here. But I've not used any of these rights. <laughs> You're like, so Paul makes this massive case. <laughs> yeah. This is what this is fine. This but I'm is not going to use. But it. I don't use it. Right. But Which it's is his right. option. It, he has the option. Yep. And there's pastors today who also have this approach too. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 So he says, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I'd rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Yeah, I think it's important here to just remember, someone could look at this and say, Eric, why don't you do that? Paul, why don't you do that? And I think the point he's making is, this is a me thing for this current time inside of this culture. Mm. This allows us to um, uh, impact people more because it distinguishes us from the misuse of all of this, right? Mm. The misuse was the, the greed going on, so. Let me, let me uh, throw this in. Missionaries do this. Missionaries move into an area... They preach the gospel, there's people that respond, but they don't immediately take payment from those people. Right. Mm. Now, this is where everything goes terribly wrong. 
if the people go for too long of a time uh, understanding that they are they are not responsible to support that ministry, then when that missionary transitions into now he he replaces himself with a pastor from the flock from the people there, and that guy now is dependent on outside support because the people have become lazy or mm-hmm. so used to others paying the way. Mm. And this describes Africa. This wow. is my experience. Most churches in Africa are always looking for outside support. Now, one of the best things that has ever happened is this recommitment to self-sufficiency mm-hmm. in the ch- local mm-hmm. church, and that has caused more churches in Africa to thrive. Mm. Now, of course, in Africa, prosperity gospel has uh, taken root, and it has just destroyed so much of the mm-hmm. good work that so many missionaries have mm. done. And it's just greed. Mm-hmm. It, it's awful. I think it's really uh, good to, when you talk about church planting, you talk about how this works, is to say there are different stages. Mm-hmm. In the missionary stage, in the beginning stages, yeah, we give give up the right. That makes a lot of sense. But for the sake of sustainability, you need your pastors to spend as much time as possible on the ministry, that only fuels more life change. And so I think it's really good to remember Paul is saying this in the context of church planting, in the early days of expansion, (laughs) entrepreneur leadership. But when it comes to sustainability, um, to create health for the long haul, it's support your pastor. So it's it's just important to remember those two stages. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Let's go ahead and do 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is a very important verse, or I should say set of passages or verses uh, for SMCC. We have a value, cultural value, that says that uh, we're asking at SMCC, we ask that the fully engaged person serves the guest. And that's what this passage is all about, Mm -hmm. is that we are going to adjust to them. We're not going to expect them to adjust to us, but we're going to adjust in all the areas that we can adjust, approach, style, taste, and all the mm-hmm. all the little cultural things mm-hmm. we're going to adjust to our culture so that they have the freedom to participate without being shocked or whatever and then we're not going to adjust the gospel mm-hmm. okay and and so our approach is governed by the people we're trying to reach mm-hmm. That's not normal, mm. unfortunately, but this was what the Apostle Paul was doing. Yeah, you get the sense that the other leaders who were leading in ways that were not biblical ways or God-honoring ways were saying, you exist for me, and Paul's saying, I exist mm. for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Paul, we have this line in our mission statement, as many people as possible. That's right. And sometimes people look at that and like, oh, that's so growth-focused, are you numbers-focused? 
That's First Corinthians nine, folks. Mm-hmm. He wants yeah. to reach as many people as possible. It is, and I love that. So I just want to draw people's attention to that. Yeah, I love it. You know, when you think about it, when you bring a, have, you invite a guest over, you don't just see what's in the refrigerator and feed them that. Yeah, you, you ask them you, what they you want. Ask you ask them, you know, do you have any food allergies, anything like mm-hmm. that? But you you think through what would they enjoy. So it, yeah. it's guest focused in your own home, mm-hmm. and we're trying to do the exact same thing here at church. Yep. Yeah. What you see here is Paul's personal approach to to strategy, mm-hmm. and this becomes the bridge to the next section. Is that if you're going to reach as many people as possible, you need to train and you need to strategize mm-hmm. to know how to reach them. And here comes the the uh, the athletic metaphor that comes next mm-hmm. of training and strategizing. Mm-hmm. So let's read that section because that's the next bridge. I think one of the most important things in reading the Bible, doing exegesis, is knowing how the transitions work. Yeah, that is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I hope we've done a good job helping people see the transition because until you have the transition, you're like. Just these disconnected ideas thrown together in the Bible. No, no, there's a real strategy here for the Apostle Paul. So here it comes. So here we go, the last section, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow. I just thought of Will Smith when I (laughs) (laughs) He didn't hit air, folks. He hit a rock. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself uh, will not be disqualified for the prize. Yeah, what a cool illustration metaphor there. Um, He's talking about his own approach to training well, um, but in doing so, he's inviting others too. And so I think, you know, as we wrap up the podcast today, I I want to invite people to get into the game, get into the race. Um, If you're not on a team, if you're not in ministry, um, meaning um, pursuing um, other people for the sake of the gospel with eternal impact, that's the crown image, Paul says it's time to get in the game, folks. And yeah. um, whether that's serving in kids' ministry on Sundays or, you know, inviting your neighbors over and having dinner, um, mm-hmm. it's time to get in the game. And, and I, think, um, I think that's how Paul is kind of wrapping up this section. I think this is really a beautiful last thought uh, that the, the Apostle Paul is offering, and that is we do ministry out of our just our normal relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I discipline myself and... And I connect with Christ, and this is how to use willpower, by the way. We use our willpower to train. Mm -hmm. And then that training connects us through prayer, through Bible reading, through solitude, whatever it might be, uh, making ourselves participate in those type of disciplines. We connect with Christ, and then all ministry just flows out Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I think a lot of religious effort is spent on earning the mm-hmm. effort in the gospel is spent on training and discipline. That's right. To be yeah. effective in the mission. So this is just a great invitation to commit commit your life to ministry. That doesn't mean, you know, go to seminary and be a pastor. Yeah. It means I'm just going to think uh, about all that I do day in and day out in light of how do I make an eternal impact. And, and that's, I think, where Paul kind of leaves us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me, let me just finish with this, guys. I, again, I just love being able to say, how do we, what's the cool way to really hear this and apply this. Um, and so that's why, again, I have these two versions side by side. So let me just read the last two verses mm-hmm. from this 
creative interpretation of what Paul's saying. I just want you to hear this verbiage here. Imagine the Apostle Paul saying this. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. Oh, that's great. Man, I kind of needed to hear that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm about ready to retire here. <laughs> that's like a kick in the shorts right there. <laughs> no napping on the job. No Paul. napping. You're not done yet. Even when you retire, you're not done. I guess not. Yeah. I think you work for free now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Excellent. Uh, and I think the, the cool connection here, too, I want to encourage people, if you faithfully support SMCC, you're committing to ministry. It, we yes. couldn't do what we do without you. And so, yeah, if the pastor's on stage preaching and people say, good job, pastor, that's only possible because of people listening who give, and um, we're all in this together. And I just think that's really a cool reminder, too. So, Absolutely. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I want to thank everybody again for listening today. I will put those resources that I mentioned uh, kind of in the middle of the podcast in the description if you want it. Um, and as always, I would appreciate it. It would help us uh, if you want a free way to help us is to leave a review on uh, the platform that you're listening to this podcast on. That helps us out a lot as well. Go ahead and subscribe to the SMCC Messages podcast. You can find that as well. Um, and we'd love to have you listen to that. You can visit smccutah.org slash podcast to find that as well. Thank you, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.